Boston, and, um, especially this this expression of of worship and, and the teaching of the word and, and fellowship um, that is so connected to the house of prayer, but I think is a such as an epic part of of the the broader narrative of of the house of prayer, and I've been a part of prayer communities that didn't have an expression like this, and I just want to say to you, Bethany and Daryl, your, your courage and your boldness to follow the Lord and, and to see all of the faces in here, and I, I don't even, I'm asking Bethany a ton of questions, because I don't know how many of you are in the house of prayer, or just this is your Sunday kind of fellowship, but just love to see the unique kind of thing that the Lord is is doing here, and um, and yeah, just, just looking at your faces and Seeing you worship, I, I just have a sense of the Lord's pleasure and His His crazy uh, joy over you as you as you gather and, and sing to Him today and gather to hear His word. I mean, that's a fragrance to Him. Did you Did you know that that when you gather in His name, for one, He's He's here in our midst, but that you, you smell really good. Too. I've never said that before. That's not like a cool preacher line. Smell good. No, you, you are a fragrance to him. Your, your worship, the posture of your heart that says, I don't just, church isn't some religious routine that I go through. And maybe if that is why you're here today, the Lord will deliver you. <laughs> Set you free. Because it's about it's about encountering him, being in his presence, and, and having a relationship with him. And so... He's here. Can you can you say that? Can we can we can we do something today? Yeah. Can we get out of our um, maybe our routine a little bit and acknowledge that we're not just going through a routine, but that we're, we're here to meet with God and yeah. hear from Him today, not from me. Like this isn't about me or Daryl or any of those other awesome musicians and singers or Bethany. There is an element where it's about fellowship with one another, but really we're here to encounter the living God. So here's what we're going to do. Close your eyes. And just say this, say, he's here. Okay, half of you didn't say it. You can open your eyes for a second. Let's just address unbelief here for a second. Half of you didn't say that's, that's weird. You know, God is the speaking and listening God, and he actually, I love contemplative prayer, that's silent, but he actually listens, not just to you as a congregation, but to you individually, when you acknowledge him, and when you talk to him. That right there is life-changing to your Christianity, because most of us are living in a practical atheism, to be honest, where we're not actually interacting with the God who is alive and who is real, and yes, it requires faith, and I know we're in the, the capital of Thinkers, I praise God for thinkers, all of you college students, I'm a high school dropout, so hallelujah, I learned something from, from the counterpart today. Oh, that God would deliver us from a practical atheism where we acknowledge all of the right truths here and go through all of the right emotions. Like... We are a people, which is what I want to talk about today, who have been called 
into the family of God, who have been redeemed, who have understanding that we are not just here for no reason, but we were created by Him and for Him. Today, you do not exist to get a college degree. You do not exist for your family. If God's given you one, praise God. I rejoice that he's given me a beautiful wife and a beautiful son, but I do not exist for them. I was made by God, and I was made for him. Literally, my frame, my senses, everything, my emotions, my mind, everything that he has given us, see, spare witness. Everything that he has given you is so that you can experience him, so that you can walk with him. And that for maybe 20 or 30 or 50 or 90 years, if he gives it to us with strength, that on this side of eternity, we walk with him in a way that is rich and vibrant and full of life and changes the world until we enter into eternity. And then we just do it day in and day out forevermore. You guys, this is just an internship. But there's something, a unique invitation in this age of faith for you to experience the living God and to give him away to a world that is searching for everything that they think they were made for and, and all sorts of encounters that are just counterfeit to this one thing, the central theme of, of, of the gospel, of his story, of who he is, relationship with him, you're like, Amen. wow, that's like out there, Jesse. Like, what is that? What does that mean? Well, let's start here. We're going to say he's here. I want every person to say it. Revelation, it says that he walks among the lampstands. And the writer of Revelation, thank God, he helps us out. The lampstands are a picture of the church. So today, as the church gathers all over the world, it's Sunday. It's a good day. As the church gathers, the lampstands are lit all over the world. Do you know what Jesus is doing? He's walking among the lampstands. He's walking among the church. I wonder, I wonder how many places, and even in my own life, how often this is true that he's walking in my midst, that he's there, and I'm just so in my religious fog that I just, let's get this over with, I'm ready to go to lunch. Not so many other things. I don't pause for just a second. Get out of the matrix of the world, though. There's everything that's swirling around me. Okay. He's here. And to say, though I don't see you, as writer Peter said, though we don't see you with physical eyes, we love you. Yes, yes. With eyes, of, with eyes of faith, a heart of faith, we acknowledge that you are real, that your story is true, yes, and that you're here in our midst, and you're everything to us, Jesus. Yes. And, and where you're not, we want you to be. Yes. And where we're not, heart and soul and mind and strength fully given, we, we want to be that reach. And it starts with, okay, first, first you got to be real. you got to be here. So close your eyes. And with faith, some of you, this, I, I'm serious, some of you, the Lord, I'm just, Bethany and Daryl told me I could be bold. <laughs> some of you need to get delivered from unbelief. Forget it. Like, you might as well not adhere to all the Christian things without adhering to a, a Christian faith and a heart that reaches and that acknowledges something beyond, 
beyond you. It's, it's a stretch. It's a reach. But there's an encounter there. Close your eyes. He's here. He's here. Say with a sense of, of awe and reverence. Because he's holy and he's great, and yet he loves the broken heart. It's not because we're righteous that we can say it and, and exist with him. Because he's kind and merciful. He's here. Just thank you for your presence, Lord. Yes, God. Just acknowledge you, Lord, and your heart that's for us and that's reaching reaching out to us and we just need that reach today and say, Jesus, you're everything. I love you. You're real. You are good. You are merciful. It's not just the chorus of the song, but Lord, it's our it's our feast today that you set before us. Lord, in the midst of our brokenness, you are good. You are merciful. Lord, we celebrate the gospel today. Lord, we celebrate your bread, your blood, Lord, the body of Christ given to us and for the world, where we celebrate that we're a people that are holy and set apart to you today, where we celebrate that there is no shame or condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you today that you've given us joy that the rest of the world doesn't have. Lord, we celebrate you and rejoice in you. There's no one like you, Jesus, and you're ours, and we're yours, Lord. What else is there? He's here. One more time. He's here. He's here. Amen. I don't switch back into religious thought. Because I think Jesus wants to encounter us. I have a lot on my heart. The reason I shared that even starting out is because in 2010, when I was here for 40 days, and if I get excited, it's just who I am. Or maybe it's the three cups of coffee I've already had. <laughs> a little bit of One minute's going to be like this big, beardy smile, and the next minute someone's going to be running up here and giving me tissues because I cry out of my nose for some reason. When I, do. <laughs> I don't know. 2010, Bethany has really told it right. I came here, I was an IHOP U student, third year, and I was coming just for a ministry trip and to just kind of maybe for once in my life sit in the back and kind of hide and just pray and read my Bible and we were going to do a bunch of outreaches and speak at different churches and whatnot and I don't know, a few days into it, between our team that sent us, the leaders went home and everything that was going on here, I mean, Bethany and Daryl were just amazing posts, but they said, Jesse, you and this other student, uh, Bree, you're going to just lead the students for these 40 days, you're just going to do it. And I was like, okay, here we go again, like par for the course uh, since I was a little boy, and, and part of that probably has a little hint of, of bitterness that the Lord is still working on in me, but part of it's such a, a, a privilege and that I've, I've got to be a part of what I've, I've got to be a part of, but, but basically the gist of that 40 days for me was I, I'd done plenty of 40-day fasts before, plenty of 40 days of prayer. I mean, if any of you guys know my dad... Like every other week, he's calling a 40 day fast. I know, it doesn't, it doesn't look cheap, but it happens. Break one, start another, just go for it. Um, and if you hear him tomorrow night, he's probably going to be talking about a 40 day fast. Just wrote a book called The Jesus Fast. Guess what it's about? 40 days of fasting. <laughs> awesome. I love it. It's, it's my legacy, and, and um, I need to embrace it at a whole new level. 
But one of the unique things about this 40-day season was that it wasn't just, hey, let's just like get in a room and cry out to God and rumble and worship and like just believe that something out there is changing. And like, I 100% believe that. Like, you will never pry from my fingers the belief that prayer changes everything and that in prayer, the Lord has called the church to shape history with him and call upon his name to, to bring the kingdom of God to the earth. But, but get this, I, I was kind of maybe oversaturated in that world. And so for this 40 days, there was an invitation to combine prayer with evangelism. Wow. And, and, and so every day we pray in the morning, and then we'd go out in the afternoon, and, and we would preach the gospel. And it was in that season of my life that for the first time, I didn't want to just be a part of a movement. I didn't just want to be a part of a stream of the body of Christ. Do you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to follow Jesus and do what he said. And it was like, up to this point, it was like, prayer movement, or like, missions movement, or like, justice movement, or like, pro-life movement. Like, all these movements. And for 40 days, the Lord just spoke to me. Follow Jesus' movement. Yeah. Like, That's good. This is the thing that works. It has been working for 2,000 years. Yes, there are certain groups that emphasize certain things, and praise God for that. But Jesse, you are called to follow me and love me and be obedient to my word. Yeah. You guys, if this group alone would do that in Boston, you turn the whole city. Not about a, a, a movement. It's about right. being followers of Jesus and right. being obedient to him. And guess what I found out? Preaching the gospel yeah. wasn't just as much for the people that on the street would suddenly be like, oh, I'm repenting in my heart and turning to the Lord. My testimony about the 40 days is not that. You know what the testimony of my heart is? That every time I opened my mouth to speak about Jesus to someone that didn't know him here in Boston, which was so weak, and I was so terrified and so fearful, is that I actually began to believe it. Yeah, that's right. It was during the Easter season, and I remember we celebrated Easter. And I remember waking up early in the morning and going like, you guys, like, like Easter, I, I've done this so many times. Like, the meal and, and everything and the eggs and like, holy smokes, like that's not what it's about. Like, Jesus is alive and that's real to me. You know why that happened? Partly because I opened my mouth to preach the gospel. And, and again, a few cool things happened. One girl over by BU or Boston College, I don't know, you guys have so many colleges here. <laughs> I prayed for her and she got like healed and tears in her eyes. Like some cool things people did give their life to the Lord. I don't know where they're at. Maybe somewhere in this room. I don't know. We planted a lot of seeds, but the testimony for me was that I actually have not graduated from the gospel. In fact, I don't know if I've even fully heard and embraced the gospel. And it's, it's partially only when I open my mouth and share it with others that I begin to believe it myself. And for the 40 days, the Lord shaped my Christianity. The last six years, I've been in a wrestle. Right now, I work for, for a ministry called Every Home for Christ. Last year, in about 150 nations, through indigenous believers in their own country, their own context, us supporting, resourcing, and training them, they went to 100 million homes. Visited 100 million homes, so potentially that times how many people live in a home, it's, it's different everywhere. 
100 million homes that heard in some way the gospel, and 16 million of them last year in 150 yeah. nations responded saying either I'm giving my life to Jesus or I want to know more, I want to have discipleship material, 16 million. The world is hungry for Jesus. So, so six years I'm in this wrestle of like what? Really, the, the wrestle comes down to this, you guys. Who, who are we? What's our identity? What's our story? Like, as a people, what's our story? Who are we? Why are you here in this room today? And this goes back to the first thing I was saying, is that we, we, we are just so, and I, I say this to like, oh, I, want, I want to be awakened from this in my own life, but we so buy into this just like religious fog where we go through the motions and we forget the story that we're a part of, the story that we've been brought into, and in that is our identity, in that is our mission that is bigger from, I mean, we're all in this room, we're all struggling with it, you guys. I don't care if you're in ministry, college, every walk of life, we're all asking the question, what, what's my purpose? What am I, who am I? And what the heck am I supposed to be doing? Like, and yeah, in different seasons, that's defined for us by school or by planting a church and being a pastor or whatever it is that God's called you to with the small C for this season. But there's a bigger calling that we as a people are a part of. And that's what I want to encourage you with today. For those 40 days and for the next 20 minutes, I want to just dig into this. That what is the story of God? What is our identity? And what is our mission? And, and I want out of looking at this from a few passages, this is what I hope happens to you today. I hope that your joy is stirred. That's good. I hope that you have a response that is, is from your gut. <laughs> that something in you with the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you responds to his word and his whole story, and you go, like, I'm standing up again with a smile on my face to be yeah. a follower of Jesus yeah. today. Like, in college, in church, in my workplace, in whatever it is the Lord has called you to, that He root us and ground us in His story and our identity and a, and a joy that the world looks at and goes like, dude, there's something different about you. Girl, like, why? Why are you so confident? Why are you loving me like this? Oh, there's actually a story. Can I tell it to you? I'm actually a follower of Jesus, and he's, he has a plan for the earth, and he has a plan for me to be a part of it. Open your Bibles, if you have them, or your phones. Psalm 67. We're going to go through a few scriptures kind of quick, and maybe you'll dive back into these later. So identity, mission, joy, and deliverance from atheism. That's the title of our today. <laughs> Practical atheism. I can't, oh, I can't tell you guys for those 40 days. Maybe this just becomes what Boston is for a lot of people. I know a lot of you are just sojourners here. You're here for college or a season of life. When I come back to Boston, there's an altar that I have built here. And I go, I remember Jesus who is alive. And he was worthy to be spoken of. And he was real to me. I remember where I got delivered. Of, I've been in the church my whole life. My, my practical atheism where I just go through the motions. Let Boston be that for you. Let Hilltop Church be that for you. That the encounter is so real and true. His word touches you in such a way that you're changed forever. Psalm 67. This is a Hebrew writing this. 
For a second, stop thinking about how this applies to us. Pull out. What we find in this passage is the big story that God is writing, okay? So we're going to start with the big story. We're going to see where Jesus preached the gospel in Isaiah. We're going to look at Isaiah. And then we're going to finish with Ephesians chapter 2, okay? So big story. Maybe picking up where there was a foretaste of that story and a real specific application as it relates to our joy. And then Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to land this, this, this plane with preaching the gospel to ourselves, receiving the gospel, and then being commissioned to tell the story and to preach the gospel. This is the psalmist, chief musician on stringed instruments, a song, a song. God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. What's the, what's the primary word that's repeated there? Good. You guys are all smart, college students. Two of you are trapped. Us, okay? What is us? Selfish. It's selfish. Can I tell you something? I believe in the prosperity gospel. Jesse, that ugly thing that we're exporting to the nations of the earth that says God wants you to have a better life and a beam or two with it? No. The true prosperity gospel. And the people of Israel understood the prosperity gospel. They understood that their identity as a people was blessed, yeah. called out, chosen. Do you walk with that today? Yeah. Do you walk knowing that you've been chosen and called out and blessed? Well, guess what? If you were living at this time, the answer would be no, unless we have any Jewish folks in the room. Because at that time, there was only one people that were blessed. There was only one people that had experienced mercy. And there was only one people that had the light of God's face shining upon them. You know who they were? Israel. That's it. That's where the presence of God dwelt. That's who he spoke to. That's who he protected. In fact, if you and I were alive at that time, we'd probably be getting crushed. <laughs> because God was chosen Israel to reveal that he wanted a family. Okay, guys? From day one. The God who didn't, no one told him to make you and me. No one told him to create the earth. From his own sovereign free will, he creates everything that we see today. I live in beautiful Colorado, mountains, green, lush, northeast. No one tells him to make people and to make it a family, but he chooses it. He makes all of creation and he chooses one man, chooses Abraham. He says, you're going to be the father of this family that will be chosen and set apart for me. And Israel understands this. So much so that they have the boldness to ask for what is already theirs. God had already given them mercy time and time again. Pursued them, reached out to them. They already had the presence, the literal physical presence of God dwelling with them. And yet they say, we want your presence more and more. Okay, yeah. so what do we see? We see God wants a family. And he starts with one people group. But he gives a promise to the first father. He says, Abraham, I'll bless you. I'll be merciful to you. I'll give you my presence, access. I'll speak to you. But Abraham, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All the nations. Do we have any Jewish people in the room? There's one. Okay, it's probably a good representation of the earth. We have one. Chosen out, singled out by God. And yet, he has all of the rest of us in mind. He says, I'm going to bless one and make him a blessing to all the rest. We see this in verse 2. 
What, what do we learn from this, you guys? Well, well, let's go on. This is the first time I've preached this kind of like this, so just track with me. What time is it? Okay, let's speed through this a little bit. That, verse 2, when you see that in the Bible, it's a really important thing to pay attention to because that means that verse 1, brilliant high school dropout Jesse again, just giving me a little lesson. Here. Verse 1 is connected to verse 2, okay? So Israel's crying out to God, bless us, be merciful to us. They are selfish. They're asking for the, the prosperity. They're asking for, I mean, later on in the psalm, we'll see, they're literally asking for physical prosperity. But they say, this prosperity that you give us, this blessing, this mercy, this presence that you give us, yeah. we understand that there is a purpose to that blessing. Yeah. That! Can everyone say, that? That. Thank you. We need disciples. Come on, they're only training well. <laughs> Your way may be known on earth. Yes. And your salvation among all nations. Amen. When was the last time you encountered the God who didn't want to hide and just stay far away, stoic, just looking down at his people? No, God's whole purpose, his whole the desire of his heart, the reason he created us from the beginning is to be known. John 17, this is eternal life, to know Jesus. Like, that is it, guys. It's not the Romans' road. Eternal life, yeah, the Romans' road happens. But eternal life is centered on the person of Jesus and knowing him. That's what we say in that song today. You are good and you're merciful. However it comes. <laughs> you are good. Oh, oh, where's the oh? When you sing that. You know why that song has an O? Because there should be an O when you sing that. Oh! That, that's your story? That we don't have to pursue you, but that you're wanting to make yourself known and your salvation known. It's something that comes from God to us, not us to God. Yeah. That is good news today for you and yeah. for me. And the psalmist says, it's all the nations. Come on, Boston. I see almost all the nations in here, I think. <laughs> City of all the nations. says this, let the peoples praise you, oh God. Let all the peoples praise you. Here it is again. Oh! Someone give me an oh. Oh! Could we recover this in our reading of the Psalms, in our worship? When, when the psalmist says, I lift up my voice, I cry out to God. Yes. I know some of us personalities were all over the spectrum. When it says it is good to sing, that means you should sing. I don't care. That's not say sing like Daryl, because ain't none of us can do that. But you know what I can do? I can make the same face as Daryl. <laughs> and you know what? I think as much as the Lord loves get the tone of Daryl's voice, I think the Lord loves the face that Daryl worships with. Oh! Oh! Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Do you know who that is in this passage, you guys? And, and, and I want this for us now that we're in, to be about the nations. This is us. This is what Jesus did for us. Blessing Israel so that he can make himself known, so that he can come through that line and that be a blessing and, and give us himself to the point where we go, what can we 
do but praise you. That's what the psalmist is saying, that when God is known, when his story is known, when his, when his identity, when his attributes, when, when he shows up and he's known, you know what the nations do? You know what you and I do? When we first heard that gospel, this is, this is good news. This is too good to be true. Praise you, God. Seek for joy. He's put joy in our hearts. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. He breaks out again. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then all the earth shall yield or increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth will fear him. Okay, so story. Family. Israel. God blesses them so that they will be a blessing. We know that that culminates in Jesus Christ coming from heaven. This is the gospel so that we could know the Father, so that we could have eternal life, so that it wouldn't just be a veil. You guys, the veil has been torn. We are not wondering what Muhammad is like or trying to get to enlightenment through Buddhism. We are not trying to find one of 300 million gods like in Hinduism. No, God has come to us. God has come to us. That is what our joy is rooted in. That song that we say, you are good, those words are so empty if they are not grounded in the biblical truth of why is he good? You sing, bless the Lord, oh my soul. One time I was singing that in the service and I just had to pause and go, why am I blessing the Lord right now? Like, what? And I had to go to the next verse in Psalm 103, who forgives all of my sins, who heals all of my diseases, who gives me joy, who gives me purpose. Like, the goodness of God is rooted in the person of Jesus coming for you and me and all of the nations. He came through Israel to make us glad. And that is our identity, sons and daughters. Turn with me to Isaiah 56, because we're going to see another picture of our identity. So we are the nations. Just go and dig into these verses later. I don't have time. Get out all that I have inside of me. But I think the Lord is speaking. Through Isaiah, the gospel is being preached. Praise God that, yes, everything I said, the person of Jesus is... It is the gospel. He is the gospel. He is the good news, who he is and what he's done. But guess what? Before he was born in the manger in Bethlehem, he was active all throughout history proclaiming the gospel. Isaiah 56, verse 3. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant. Even to them I will give in my house. What is a house picture of family again? It's not. And I will adjudicate them in my courtroom and declare them innocent forever. And they shall live as sterile, moral Christians in buildings. Like, kidding me? That's not how it is in our house. Our house is chaos. I'm one of seven kids. But we know this in my house. Daddy loves us. It's a place where we can where we can be free, where we, we eat food and watch sports and sing songs and leave the house to go fishing. Hallelujah. In my house and within my walls and a name better than that of sons and daughters. And I really wow. thought this was, was for you guys this, 
this morning, the Lord wants to remind you of, of your name. Actually, in this passage, when he's talking about eunuchs and about foreigners, they were cut off from the, prop, the, the promises and the covenants of God. They, they were not the family of God. Only Israel was the family of God, but there was provision for them to join themselves to God and in joining themselves to God. This is a foretaste of what's to come and why we are in this room right now. If you will join yourself to me, if you will receive me for who I am, says the Lord, in my house, I'll give you actually a name. Better than, How can a name be better than sons and daughters? Like, I don't even know what that means, to be honest. Like, like I, I gave my son a name, Abraham. He's my son. He's mine. Like, I can't love him anymore. And somehow the Lord says, I'll give you a name that's... Like, I'll give you a position, a relational position with me that's even better than that of a son and a daughter. Does something like that even exist? Like, I don't think so. I think he's just, his heart's being poured out. He's saying, in my family, you have a place. Like, eunuchs, can you imagine? Eunuchs and foreigners. I mean, it says in Leviticus that that eunuchs could never go into the temple. Can you imagine today if you were cut off from God, like, by law? Like, you cannot... I, we don't even have an equivalent. Like, you just can't, you can't have a relationship with God, and yet he breaks in on the scene, and he says, if you love me and accept me and follow me, he goes, you're in. Like, today, some of us have sin patterns in our life. Let's get real here. That we are wrestling through. Can I tell you what? Today, in the midst of that struggle, not when you overcome it, and you will overcome it. I'm not preaching a gospel that gives room for you to stay in it, because even if you battle with it for 80 years, I believe, I, mean, I believe there's freedom now, but even if you did, if you went to the grave struggling against sin, you know what? He's going to give you a new body, and you'll never struggle with that again. There will be a day when the struggle is over. Now, God, give us as much as you will right now. But, but even now, he says, if you just join yourself to me, if you'll say, Lord, I, I hate that, even though I, I sometimes go back to it, he goes, you're in, you're in my house. You have a name better than that of sons and daughters. He says, I'll give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Yeah. You want some of you yeah. here today? You're in! Yeah. And if you're not, like, let's have, a, let's have a gospel call right now. And you say, Jesus, I want to know you and follow you. And you're in, like, sins dealt with, shame dealt with, yeah, sanctification and healing, all of that walked out. But, but just that, that identity, it's like, it's settled, you guys. You are in, and you will not be cut off. Can I speak to some of you today who are just in a wrestle, maybe, of your life? Maybe this is one person. You will not be cut off. His love is strong enough. To pursue you and win you right where you're at. Maybe some of you aren't struggling with practical atheism, but real the real battle of faith. Oh, if you just say, I receive you even with my doubt. He says, You're in, you mind, you will not be cut off. Also, the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve and love his name. And to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath, hold fast to my covenant, even them. I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Uh, see, the house of prayer is not Jehob. Jehob is a house of prayer. The house of prayer 
It's the body of Christ. It's a house. It's a family that relates to God and prayer. That is your ability. A son and a daughter. Whether or not you ever step foot in Jacob, please, I beg you to do it. Because you will encounter this reality at an even deeper level. But you, this is a, a, a picture that God is painting, saying it's a house, it's a family, and you relate to me now. It's good. Talk to me. Let me talk to you. Pretty simple. And guess what? I will make you joyful. Oh, Lord, deliver us from a joyless Christianity. I just would rather run out the door. <laughs> You say, well, just a lot of things in my life. Choose joy. Because you're acknowledging who you are. It's good. You were once the foreigner. You were once the eunuch. You were once the one cut off from the promise. But now, son and daughter, like, guys, if you give yourself to anything in this season that you're here with Bethany and Daryl, Give yourself to who you are in him. Like, I'm a son and a daughter. That's a battle we probably fight all of our days. But man, there are moments when he pours out the spirit of adoption. We go, I'm a father. It's true. I'm in. I'm yours. And I'm joyful. I am joyful in your house of prayer. Your burnt offerings and your sacrifices will be accepted. Yeah, I know we don't do that anymore, but... When you come and sing to him and talk to him, he's pleased. That's what he's saying. It's, accept, it's not just like, oh yeah, accept that. No, he's like, that makes me happy. You smell good. <laughs> I'm pleased with you. The Lord your God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him. I just want to remind you today that, that you were the others. Not from lost. Not from lost. <laughs> <laughs> we were once the others, but now we are sons and daughters. Which, which really leads me to this today. Hopefully, this, this comes full circle is that you have a mission. In John 10, Jesus is speaking of himself as the Good Shepherd. And he's just going on about how the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy, but I've come to give life. Life abundant, we all know it. And then he talks about laying down his life for the sheep. Really good news, also. God making himself known, his, his heart, his servant's heart, sacrifice. But then he says, This, I have other sheep also who are not of this fold. Them also I must find. And they will be one flock with one shepherd. You guys, it's not just that we fully embrace our identity as those who have become part of the flock, but then actually part of that identity leads to our mission. Where we go, this this news is too good to keep to myself. Like, if the house of prayer is a joyful place for me, if the family of God is a joyful place for me, like, I know a lot of other people who don't have a name better than that of sons and daughters right now. They're actually living as foreigners and eunuchs and with all sorts of expression of what that means. And I go, I want to have them too because he had me. He pursued me, now I want to pursue him. And it's this cyclical thing that when we remember who we are and what he's done, when we receive the gospel again, it actually becomes good news again. Yeah, yeah. And then we actually want to talk right. about it. Yeah. 
I know that we have fear about sharing our faith. I think we can get over that. I actually think the bigger thing is that people get used to us. Like it's become just distant and we haven't given ourselves. It's just, this is not good news anymore. But when I read Psalm 67 and realize, like, now I'm the one saying, God, bless me and be merciful to me and shine your face, make it good again to me. And then I go, oh, yeah, like, I got to make this known. Like, I want to see others who have a smile on their face now because they know Jesus and they're delivered from, from all sorts of darkness. Your mission is to embody the good news. You are a living epistle. You might feel like the most broken person in here. Guess what? Receive the good news today that Jesus came for you, gave you a better name, and then go talk about your brokenness and your redemption to the world and be a living epistle and invite them to the table where sinners are welcome, where doubters are welcome. Go to the nations that are languishing without the gospel, that have never, ever, ever, ever heard even something remotely close to this. Oh, that like we would be so won over by what Jesus has done, who he is. He'd be so real to us. His story would be so real to us that we would want to give it away. That the bread and the wine would, would taste so good and be so filling that we take it from the table and bring it to the lost and say, you guys need this bread. Taste of this and you'll live with you need this blood to cleanse you from your sins. Oh, you're searching everywhere to be clean, to be find joy. Here it is. Here's the cup. Here's the bread. Receive it. And whether that's on Harvard or in Saudi Arabia, the good news is the good news. It's for us. The Lord wants our joy to be stirred. He wants us to give it away. Let's end here today. Maybe if the worship team could come up, just play something. Ephesians. I, I've never done this before. I'm not going to comment on this. I'm just going to read it. I just, I feel like, I hope, I hope you're strengthened just um, really in your identity and the story of God. Dig into those passages, Psalm 67, Isaiah 56. Dig into the Bible, maybe that's a bigger question. <laughs> Talk to God about it. Like, open your Bible and do what we did at the beginning. You're not just reading a story from someone. You're here. You're real. Guys, I'm serious. Like, I, I really am serious. If you're, like, struggling, like, I don't know if I can even do that. Like, you, you need to be saved. And you know how you do it? You do that. You call upon the name. Like, not, like, I chew it in my heart, but like if Jesus isn't real, Paul talked about this. Like if the resurrection didn't happen, we're like, we're to be paid. Like we're dumb to gather here. Like this is like at best a nice social club or something. And I, I'm not saying that to put a heavy on you at all, but like I just can't get with me. He's real. And what he's done is real. And like you have an opportunity to accept that. You're like, Jesse, I already accepted it. I'm here, okay? Like, you're not preaching to the lost today. Okay, if we've accepted it once, if it was the best thing we ever tasted, why wouldn't we feast on it all the time? Like, like, ditch the table where you're eating crumbs. 
and I come, and I come to the table where you can feast of him, feast on his story. He's real. Call upon him, interact with him. Okay, so close your eyes. I'm just going to read. I just felt like I was supposed to read Ephesians chapter 2. And I just want to invite the Holy Spirit just to, just to touch your heart beyond any words I've said, because my words are words, human words. This is the word of God. Just close your eyes. And I just want just want this to, to wash. I feel like the Lord wants to wash you with the water of his word. I feel like even where you could just be in a posture of expectation, I feel like there might even be one verse or one phrase that just is like an arrow to your heart. And the Lord just touches you. We're just, we're just going to invite him to wash us with the water of his word. And then I'd love if we could just end with, with a song or whatever Daryl wants to do. Holy Spirit, just invite me right now. You're here. We invite you to minister to us, quicken us, or to preach to us, or to awaken joy, to awaken hope, or to regenerate us, renew us. Your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. Thank you, Lord, that your word cuts through, Lord, thoughts and emotions. Lord, I pray even for just the physical manifestation of your presence in this place, that we would feel it. As your word is spoken, that you would bear witness, and you would change us. Lord, that's the invitation we give to you right now, change us. So before we read it, I just feel like some of us might even just like, if you want to open your hands or just posture yourself, I, I feel like we're in a moment where the Lord, the Lord could change your life right, right here, right now, forever by his word and his spirit. There's deliverance even from emotions that are not from him. Some of you that, that may be struggling with even depression, condemnation, even the accusation of the enemy, the Lord's going to cut it off right here. We just open ourselves to you. We wait on you. dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and we were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards you in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made with the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinance, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came. He came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. You are the house of prayer. You go to the house of prayer, but you are the house of prayer. You are now a peace in that house, a son and daughter in that house, and God is dwelling right here. Lord, we just ask you, Lord, that your presence would fill, Lord, both the temple in terms of this room, but Lord, our hearts, that you would dwell in our hearts through faith, and that you would make known to us here in this room, Lord, the width and the length and the depth and the height of the love of God. Lord, I ask you today that you would surpass our understanding, and you would cause us to comprehend in our heart the love that you have for us, Lord. The love that is grounded and rooted in your story and in your person and who you are. I just want to invite you to just respond to the Lord's faith. Some of you that's to stand and just praise Him because your heart's exploding. Some of you need to throw yourself on the mercy of God and say, I have not known you like this. I have not known you as rich in mercy. I have not treated you as a God who gives a free gift to me, you just need to throw yourself and just say, I receive it, God. I don't even understand it, but I receive it. 